Hello and welcome to the Pacific Northwest Showdown podcast. We are your hosts, Michaela and Kate. Welcome to episode 28. Yeah, that's true. It is. Rhymed with your name and I really loved that that just happened. It did. It did rhyme. I like that too. Rhyming. So episode 28 is about to be great because it rhymes with Kate. Kate. There you go. (laughs) I mean, let's do all the eight word families. Like, you know, we could talk about a date. We could dish on people we hate. We could hopefully not show up late. Okay. I see you. We're rhyming. Today out with my podcast. Mate. There we go. I don't know. You started it, but that's I fine. I did. That's fine. <laughs> so really looking forward to this episode. We are going to be breaking yeah. down the NF draft and the potential prospects that the Seattle Seahawks could pick at number nine overall. Mm-hmm. But before we get there, yeah, let's talk about what's coming up this weekend in, in the realm of sports. Yeah, sports. Speaking of sports, we have tiny sports on Saturday morning. Or afternoon with our Velocity softball team. Yeah, we're going to be playing with our Little League team that we coach. And this week, they're going to have walkout songs. I'm really excited oh, about it's it. Gonna be, it's going to be great. It was such a great vibe for the game that we had. Where and they I had wasn't that. there. No, you weren't. But I you're going to get to experience how great it is now. Yeah, so I'm excited for that. And then mm-hmm. we're going directly from that Little League game over yeah. to Climate Pledge Arena. Yep. For the the Seattle Storm preseason game. Yeah, that's going to be pretty great. And it's going to be their first time playing in the arena. Mm -hmm. I am so excited. I've seen the court, how it's flipped from. Yeah, how it's flipped from hockey to basketball. Hockey to basketball. It looks so great. It blows my mind. I would love to see the process of how that all actually goes down. 100%. Yes. So, you know, Climate Pledge, get on it. Put out a time lapse of that. Change over. Reveal your secrets, Climate Pledge. I want to see the behind the scenes content. I'm super excited about it. All right. So we're going to head over to the Showdown Lowdown to give you your Pacific Northwest sports news and updates for the week. It is time for the Showdown Lowdown. Showdown Lowdown. Ooh. All right. Kick us off. Every It's just different every time. The Seattle Seawolves. Let's do it. So the Seattle Seawolves Major League Rugby team is currently 5-5 five and five with just six games left on their schedule. So last weekend, they battled it out with the San Diego Legion, coming out with a very close win at 34-32. to 32. Mm. There were tries from Juan Philip Smith, Richard Hatting, Dan Creel, and Martin Yosefo. Uh, AJ Alatimo was the top scorer with 14 points. Now the Seawolves are currently fourth in the Western Conference standings, just one point back from third place San Diego Legion and just one point ahead of the Houston Sabercats. To go to playoffs, a team must be in the top three in the conference standings. So the Seawolves still have a good chance to uh, secure a playoff spot for the season. And it certainly isn't out of reach based on them still having six games left. So Their next match is this Saturday, April 23rd, um, away, and it's against the Utah Warriors, who are currently in sixth place in the Western Conference with a record of two and seven. So good luck to the Seawolves this weekend. It was good that they beat the San Diego Legion. It, the fact I that they're one so point like, yes. below them in the, you know, in the standings with their yeah. points. I know, like, on Sunday, they I had was just, to win. I was just, like, refreshing the thing, trying to wait for the standings to update, being like, what happened? What happened? So I'm really glad. I'm really glad to see that they got back into fourth. Yeah. All right, on to the OL Reign. Yeah, kick it on over. So on Easter Sunday, the OL Reign continued their winning streak at Lumen Field with a 2-1 to one win over the Angel City FC. Yes. The Reign are now 4-0-1 and one in the NWSL Challenge Cup. So cool. So the first goal was at 34 minutes by Bethany Balser after a, an assist by Allie Watt. Allie Shout Watt. out to Allie Watt. And rookie Olivia Vandergott scored the game-winning point during stoppage time. Now, this, it was already in the 90th minute, stoppage time. Mm -hmm. There's four minutes of stoppage time left. It's three minutes and 45 seconds into the stoppage time. Yep. And it it just went wild. She, amazing. So if you haven't seen that, go, like, search that video and watch that moment happen. It was super special to see. <laughs> it's really cool. So this win secures the OL Reign a place in the Challenge Cup semifinals. Nice. And, you know, the full broadcast schedule for the OL Reign games has now been released mm. with 16 games being shown on Paramount Plus, five on Twitch. That's interesting. Yeah. And one on CBS. Mm-hmm. 
And we still suggest that you go check out the matches in person at Lumen Field because that's going to be the best experience seeing oh, yeah. so them cool. play in person. It was so cool watching them in person. And right? it helps support the ladies to, you know, show up for your women playing sports. Yep. It's a lot of fun. Yep. They are so aggressive out there in the field. That footwork is amazing the to footwork, watch in person. Absolutely. Yep. And, you know, we're still working on nailing down which ones we're going to be attending, but we will be sure to let you know which yeah. games those are. So they will be away in San Diego for their next match against San Diego Wave FC on Saturday, which is tomorrow, April 23rd at 7 o'clock p.m. And you can stream it on Paramount+. Plus. That's awesome. I'm, I'm excited about it. I really am. But let's take it over to the Kraken. And, uh, you know, there's some really exciting news that was announced on Monday this week for the Seattle Kraken. And I'm excited to uh, be able to share it here, especially for me to do it, because it's my favorite former Seattle Seahawks player, Marshawn Lynch, has officially become a partial owner of the Seattle Kraken, along with the Seattle music artist, Macklemore. I'm just thinking about the fact that Kate texted me. She's like, Marshawn Lynch is a partial owner of the Kraken. She was at work <laughs> and I had already seen it like that morning and I did not like text her to let her know because I wanted her to find out for herself, like by looking yeah. at social media, but her principal yeah. broke the news. And then I felt kind of guilty that I didn't already tell Kate, but it's fine. <laughs> it was great. Um, it, He felt excited that he was the one that I got bet. to tell me. Yeah, so um, I was, I was pumped. Um, and so, you know, Marshawn and Macklemore attended Monday night's game against the Ottawa Senators where the Kraken secured a win at 4-2. to And, you know, honestly, speaking of wins, aside from getting Marshawn Lynch involved in your organization, yep. the Seattle Kraken has also been on a mini hot streak, having won three straight games for the first time in franchise history this week, coming out with wins over the New Jersey Devils, the Ottawa Senators and the Colorado Avalanche and the Avalanche are one of the best teams in the league mm -hmm. right now. So that was amazing on Saturday's game against the New Jersey Devils. Matty Beniers scored his first NHL goal. And in his first four games, Beniers has scored two goals and two assists at just 19 years old. Beniers positions himself to be a very special player for the Seattle Kraken franchise for years to come. The Kraken only have six games left this season and they are playing tonight. Friday, April 22nd, against the Minnesota Wild. And they're playing as we speak. Yeah, it's probably true. Good luck to the Kraken. Go Kraken. The Seattle Mariners had their home opener on Friday, April 15th, against the Houston Astros. And it was really special that day. Oh we had gosh. tickets for the opening game. And <laughs> it was amazing. We got to interview Seattle Mariners TV play-by-play -play announcer Dave Sims mm -hmm. that day to discuss the Mariners' season for the yep. 2022 season. And it was great talking with Dave. We ended up meeting so him in yeah. person. Yeah. Because we were right outside the home, home plate, plate gate, gate as they That's welcomed everybody in. Mm -hmm. And he saw us. And he's like, you made it here. And he had us come over and take a picture with him. And that, that was, was a really great. special moment. I thought great. that meant a lot to me. Like yeah. Just after him going yeah. out of his way to reach out. And I know. Especially when he was so busy having just gotten back into town and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So, thank you, Dave Sims, again for coming on the podcast last week on such a huge day in sports with it being the home yeah. opener for the Mariners. And, you know, as I said, we attended the game last Friday. The Mariners had a dominant win over the Astros with a score of 11 to one. It was amazing. It was a packed house. Yeah. The Mariners sold out for the fourth consecutive game. So that's carrying over from last season's playoff push. Sure. So that was kind of a special. I'm, yeah. Go with that. I'm good with that moment for the Mariners. And they ended up winning the series against the Astros, winning two out of the three games. So nice. And then in this week's battle against the Texas Rangers, the Mariners won the series as well, mm. having won two out of three games. So awesome. that is great when they can take the series, you know, games. Yeah. And their bats have been hot during this homestand, having scored 34 runs in the past six games. That's so crazy. And this is with leaving a lot of players stranded on base. Yeah. They have had 49 hits and 29 walks in those games as well. So oh that's God. a lot of opportunities with players yeah. getting on base. Um, you know, they're playing tonight as well against Kansas City, and they'll be playing them. This is the final series of their homestand. So they'll be playing tonight. They're playing tomorrow, and they're playing Sunday, April 24th. Wow. That is awesome. Go out there and support the Mariners if you can. It's pretty fun. 
And the food was great. And to be the, honest, like it was, yeah, food is incredible. It was a packed house. It was a home opening weekend. Yeah. It was, it took a long time to get through lines because it was a packed house. Mm-hmm. But what I noticed from watching the games this week is if you have the opportunity, if your schedule allows and you don't want it to be so packed. Like the during the week games. Going during the week. Yeah. Even for night games. It's a yeah. lot less crowded. It looks like there's so much space there in the stadium and it's going to probably give you I don't want to say it depends on what experience you like. Exactly. Some people really love being a part of a huge crowd. Yeah. But if you want to be able to use the bathroom and get your snacks and get your drinks between innings mm-hmm. during the week's going to be the time to do it. At least at this point, for sure. Yeah. Well, let's take it over to the Seattle Sounders and the Seattle Sounders faced inter Miami on Saturday, April 16th. And they lost, unfortunately, one to zero. Um, the Sounders had 20 shots on goal with three on target. They own time of position, having the ball for 61% of game time. And I mean, based on the stats alone, you would have expected the Sounders to come out with the win, but just didn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. So their next match is this Saturday, April 23rd against San Jose. That's the, you know, regular season stuff. Right. And then the Sounders also have their first leg of the CONCACAF finals on Wednesday, April 27th against the Pumas uh, UNAM. So this is a really big deal because like we talked about before, you know, a U.S. team hasn't won, I don't think, the CONACAF champions. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that would be, that'd be pretty cool. I'm really so, excited for that. Fingers and crossed. And it's kind of interesting that they, you know, it's during the regular season, they're also part of these other tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. and, and the, um, for the, going back to the rain, you know, having. They're doing it too. Having their, yeah, if you get, if you get into the finals or the semifinals or whatever of. Of, of their of their um league right now it's just it's a it's kind of crazy over there everything's too. like crossing over yeah, yeah i just don't i don't get how you i don't get how you play that many games i think they're gonna be playing like three games in a week or something they're that's a lot it's a lot i mean they're these individuals are very the semifinals very... are crossing over into regular season so yeah it's a lot for sure all right so the Seattle Storm. Yes. We mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast yes that they have their first preseason game tomorrow this, yeah, yeah saturday, saturday 23rd mm-hmm. um but obviously because they're playing tomorrow they have had to start their training camp so that's already kicked off yeah and they're preparing for their first preseason game it's so cool and then you know it was also announced yesterday april 21st mm-hmm. that prime video has become the official streaming home for the seattle storm it's so cool so Storm games will be available on the WNBA League Pass, except for the games broadcast on ABC, ESPN, CBS, SN, or when it's streamed nationally by Prime Video. Which to me, I was thinking about. I'm I was like, like, "What's even? When left? is it?" Ever- exactly. I was, I was kind of. I was like, "That's interesting," but yeah, I guess I we'll know. see. Um, we do look forward to seeing them play, as we said on Saturday night, and their regular season begins on May 6th, so it's right around the corner. Yep. It's just a couple weeks away. Mm-hmm. So do secure your tickets and support professional women's sports. Yes. As we said for the OL Reign, we say the same for the Seattle Storm. Support our women playing sports. We will be at most of the home games for the Storm. We have season tickets this season. So show up. Yes. Say hi to us. Meet up with us. Yeah. And um, support our ladies. So you don't want to miss this season. I do believe that it could be Sue Bird's final season. Yeah. And it's their first season that they're playing at Climate Pledge. It's just, I think. There's so many I, reasons to go. I think it's just going to be amazing. And I am so Don't make excited. me ask 10 times. Well, I mean, at this point, they should, you know, they should, I think they, they should they, understand the point. I, I think they do. So I'm, I'm really excited about it, though. But moving on to the Seahawks. So the NFL draft is less than a week away. And we are excited to be hosting an NFL draft party at the Watershed Pub and Kitchen on the first day of the draft on Thursday. Um, we're looking forward to seeing some of you there. So thanks to everybody who who RSVP'd that they were coming. We're excited to see you. And, um, you know, Michaela's going to be talking more about the upcoming draft in the She Talks Hawks segment this week. So don't worry about that. You don't have to listen to me talk about it. She's going to talk about it. So stay tuned to hear her thoughts on who the Seahawks could potentially draft at nine overall. All right. Well, then coming up next has to be the, the she, she Talks, Talks Hawks segment. <laughs> Welcome to the She Talks Hawks segment where she is Michaela and she's going to talk some Seahawks. I love it. Thanks for that introduction. I thought you deserve something nice too, you know? 
Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. You can have your own little corner. It's the She Talks Hawk segment. Ooh, a song. All right. Aster's and Aster singing along too. Yeah. What's up, cat? This is the very like welcome to our home. We're recording a <laughs> podcast. You might hear us sing and you might hear a cat sing as well. The dog, you don't really notice that much. He is laying at our feet as we speak. It's true. All right. So in this week's episode, I did want to take some time to review some players that the Seahawks could be looking at to draft in the first round. And the Seahawks currently hold round one, pick nine. That's exciting. And who knows what's going to happen? You know, they are known to trade back to gain more draft capital, but many hope that they do select a player at nine because they have not had this early of a draft pick in years. Yeah. So the teams who pick before the Seahawks will dictate the decision of whether or not the Seahawks will opt to draft at nine or Mm -hmm. potentially attempt to trade back. Now they do have to have a decent enough offer from another team who wants to trade up for a player for them to accept that trade. So it's not just like a, they're automatically going to trade back. There has to be a good enough offer that they feel is worth oh yeah the yeah. number nine overall pick sure but if nobody's offering what they would want for that then i would assume they would take a player so it'll be oh, interesting yeah. i'm really excited to see what they do yeah however i do believe that they should pick somebody in the first round because we're throwing an nfl draft party it would be great if they could pick someone in the first round somewhere <laughs> just selfishly in yeah, general exactly for that all right so speaking about other teams that are picking before the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. I did want to just do a quick breakdown of what teams are picking before us, what their needs are and who I anticipate them potentially picking. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Because I'm going to then decide who the Seahawks could potentially pick based on based off of who's quote left. If I say these people are off the board. Okay. All right. So here are the teams drafting ahead of us and what their top position needs are. So number one overall is, again, the same as last year. Ooh, surprise. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Their top needs are edge, offensive line, and wide receiver. Okay. So it has kind of been clear, though, some people like to try to make it like a question mark. But I am like 99% sure that they're going to select edge Aiden Hutchinson. Okay. Detroit Lions are picking number two. And again, this is if there's no trades. So yeah. this is just based off of what exists at this moment this while is we're doing this. Michaela's choices of what would be the best thing if nothing changes. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So Detroit Lions pick overall number two. Mm-hmm. Their top needs are quarterback. Obviously. Which is interesting because they have Jared Goff, which I'm not saying he's like top caliber quarterback, but it's just, it's interesting that that's their number one need. And they also have a need for edge and cornerback. Okay. Okay. So I put them as selecting edge, Kayvon Thibodeau, mm-hmm. which he's excellent. Like if he fell, which I don't think he will. Some people are talking about his personality being something that teams aren't necessarily a huge fan of, but people think that's also like kind of like not as big of a deal. Gotcha. People are making a bigger deal than it is. Oh, the teams won't yeah. mind. So, but I do think he'll get selected by the Lions number okay. two. Okay. Picking number three is the Houston Texans. They have an, a need for edge, cornerback, and an offensive lineman. Okay. So I put them as selecting cornerback and a fan favorite for many of us, mm-hmm. Sauce Gardner. Yeah. He's coming off the board before the Seahawks pick. Yeah. And if he's still there when the Seahawks go to pick i would say go get sauce sure yeah yeah all right picking four overall is the new york jets okay they have a need for edge wide receiver and cornerback everybody I, needs edge at that top in those top four edge offensive line is a common one corner quarterback is often a need because obviously if they have not a great record and they're picking up yeah. top it's because they need a franchise quarterback to lead their team makes sense yeah so the New York Jets, I have selecting cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. Okay. The New York Giants are picking both five and number seven. Okay. So I put them as selecting at number five offensive. Um, well, they have the need of offensive tackle, edge, and tight end. Sure. I put them as selecting offensive tackle, Evan Neal. And then for pick number seven, edge, Jermaine Johnson, the second. Okay. 
The Carolina Panthers are picking at number six, and they have a need for quarterback, offensive line, and edge. And I did have them picking huge. You know, they're they're talking about it. Where is he going to get selected? Quarterback Malik Willis is off the board. And then the Atlanta Falcons are picking at number eight overall, and they have a need of quarterback, edge, and wide receiver. And I have them as selecting quarterback Kenny Pickett. Okay, so... So those eight teams are ahead of us. Right. So what are our top three needs? Well, it's clear for everybody who knows that Russell Wilson got traded. I mean, wait, what? That was a thing? Yeah. He's not here? No. Oh, I was wondering. I've been missing he's, some of that. He's with the Broncos. The who now? I know. Just, I, I know this. So <laughs> the top the top need listed for the Seahawks quarterback. is quarterback. And then surprise, surprise, offensive tackle. Weird. Because that's been a need forever. I mean, yeah. And then cornerback is still a question mark for the Seahawks. Okay. Okay. So we need quarterback, offensive tackle, cornerback. Mm-hmm. So based on the needs of the teams that we're selecting in front of us, the Seahawks, that mm-hmm. is, who is going to be left that the Seahawks then could select at number nine if we didn't trade up our trades? Right. So I'm going to go through a few different options here. Okay. Now, if the other teams ahead of us drafted as I just stated. If you're if future, I drafted for them and yeah, that's how those predictions are correct. Okay. Exactly. Then the, the player that I would go for initially, and there's some other options that I wouldn't, you know, there's some that I would love and some that I'd be like, that's gonna be an interesting way to see how that pans out. But the one that I would pick if they were still there at nine, offensive lineman Charles Cross. Okay. So Charles Cross was a 2021 all SEC first team. Okay. And in 2021, he had three sacks allowed on 682 pass blocking wow. snaps. Now, pass blocking is important mm-hmm. because we haven't had the best pass blocking offensive mm-hmm. linemen. They've been decent in the run game. Sure. But we haven't had them for pass blocking. Okay. A pro comparison is Brian Beluga. Lots of people know that Brian Beluga is a great offensive lineman in the league. Now, this would immediately bolster the Seahawks' offensive line. He has spent the past two seasons at right tackle in Mike Leach's air raid offense. And for those of us who are WSU Cougs, Cougs. we know that Mike Leach loves to throw the ball and he has an air raid offense. And that means that you have to have great pass blockers Mm -hmm. in your offensive linemen if you're going to be successful in that. So if you consider the amount of pass rushing talent has from the SEC West alone yeah, and in the need for having pass blocking ability, Cross is ready to step up as a starter in the NFL. There's no doubt to me that that would be the case. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say Charles Cross isn't there or let's say he was, but the Seahawks wanted to go a different route. Okay. This is somebody that I could, I could say, if they picked this guy over Charles Cross, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be like devastatingly mad. Like I'd be okay. like, I'd be like equally happy. Be like, I could see why you went that direction. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go, and this doesn't necessarily align with the needs that I already stated for the Seahawks to have, but it's, sure. it's adding to the trenches with a defensive tackle, Trayvon Walker. Okay. So the Seahawks could opt to take him, as he said, top rated defensive lineman in the draft. Okay. And Walker's scouting report has him at a 90.06 rating, so as an all-pro, in comparison to the likes of Eric Armstead. Hmm. And in 2021, Walker had seven and a half tackles for loss and six sacks. Wow. And he did start all 15 games for the CFP National Champions, the Georgia Bulldogs, at defensive tackle. So he has experience being in, you know, important games and winning. but this is somebody that's raising in draft value. So he's sure. raising up on those draft boards. Sure. He could be picked sooner than some people might think. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be upset if the Seahawks selected Trayvon Walker okay. to add some bolster, you know, the depth in the trenches there for their defensive line. Yeah, for sure. Now, some of you might be wondering, like, but the Seahawks highest need <laughs> what about quarterback? is quarterback. What about the quarterback? So if this is the case, Malik Willis is off the board. Mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett's off the board. Now, what quarterback had a top 30 prospect visit with the Seattle Seahawks? I legitimately don't know. Desmond Ritter. Oh, okay. All right. So if the Seahawks choose to go the QB route, I could see them selecting Desmond Ritter. 
they, as I said, had that top 30 visit with him. Okay. And honestly, I could see him being a potentially great option to run Shane Waldron's offense. Mm. Ritter doesn't have the strongest arm. However, he does progress well through his reads and is able to thread the needle with passes. Oh, okay. So if the Seahawks wanted to effectively run a more West Coast style offense with quick passes to attempt to get more runs after catch, Ritter would be, or yards after catch, excuse me, Ritter would be a great pick. In that regard. Okay. So who did we pick last year in the second round? We picked D. Eskridge, who has a lot of speed. D. Eskridge, who else has a lot of speed? DK Metcalf. Yeah. Who else has a lot of speed? Tyler, Tyler Lockett. Lockett. I was starting to think these Can were Can you imagine questions. if, you know, you have a quarterback behind center, he's able to get the ball off really quick. Yeah. And he gets it to these playmakers who have are fast. Are fast. Mm-hmm. We've seen them all catch some slants and go off for mm-hmm. massive amount of yards. Oh, for sure. Get it in DK's hands sooner and see what he does. I would love things to get in DK's hands that are footballs from quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Family you for, friendly. Family friendly. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> all right. So this could be their guy if they choose to go for a quarterback. Sorry, Mom. Kate's blushing. It's fine. <laughs> DK, I know you're not listening, but. It's all fine, everybody. It's all fine. All right. So another option potentially at offensive yeah. tackle that I did want to mention because we still have a question mark at our position of center. Oh, yeah, that's true. Tyler Linderbaum. Okay. okay. So he's ranked the number three offensive lineman in the draft and number nine overall ranked player in the draft, according to CBS Sports. So a lot of people rank these players and yeah. rate these players. Yeah based off of different scouting reports and what they've seen. So it could be very different amongst all these different, you know, analytics and yeah, it makes and sense. that, but CBS sports has him at number nine overall ranked for this draft. Okay. He could be an immediate starter at center with a pro comparison to Jason Kelsey. Oh, That's nice. a pretty nice comparison. Yeah. Jason Kelsey. I, I even know who that is. You do know who that is. It's true. So there was mentions of his screen blocking being, the best a scout has ever seen from an offensive lineman at any position. Oh, wow. And Linderbaum could help the offense continue to their dominant run game. If that is the case, um, helping with the screen game, helping with the run blocking. Mm -hmm. And apparently he's able, you know, to win on many high end pass blocks because he's able to mirror well. So, Oh yeah. I, I, in some of my mock drafts that I've done, I've picked Linderbaum pretty early. Oh, how's how has that worked out for you? It's seemed to be fine. I've done it where I've traded back from nine. Okay. And then selected him, you know, mid to late in the first round. He okay. was still there. So I've been able to accumulate some draft picks and then still select him a little bit later. Mm, okay. Okay. But it's we'll we'll see what they choose to do. Yeah. Yeah. All if right. they don't know, they can just call you and you can tell them. Exactly. There you go. But Some of you might be sitting here being like, okay, so you went through this mock draft of what you think these other teams are going to, who they're going to select. Yeah. And yet here's this kind of like, well, why hasn't anybody picked the best available yet? Kyle Hamilton, who's ranked four by CBS sports. Oh, wow. It's like the top four overall. Wow. Okay. Okay. So if he fell to nine, could the Seahawks see him filling in that nickel slot position? in coverage interesting now they've locked in jamal adams and quandre Diggs, and they have both have large multi-year deals that just happened in the past year true he was so he wouldn't be able to fill you know that free safety or the strong safety positions and he's a safety but the seahawks are also known to sometimes try to convert a safety to a cornerback position or a nickel so it's kind of interesting you know, it would be an interesting pick that wouldn't necessarily make as much sense to fans considering who they already have locked in in their safety position. Yeah, yeah. But nickel, the nickel slot position is still a huge question mark, and they need to find a consistent playmaker in coverage but, after Ugo Amadi kind of struggled this past season. Yeah, but sometimes that conversion doesn't always work out when people try to switch positions like it doesn't. that. So, so somebody kind of that I think move. about immediately and, and somebody that, you know, I've, I've thought about in a different light in this last year, but Trey Flowers. Mm-hmm was a safety yeah and they did their best to convert him to a cornerback he had some great games and he really struggled in coverage in a lot of the other games yeah and but he was originally a safety yeah he was not coming out of college as a cornerback yeah so it's important to note that 
the conversion doesn't always work like Kate just said, converting somebody to a different position, mm -hmm. but sometimes it does. And sometimes it has been the best thing for that player's sure. professional career. Sure. So that would be an interesting so potential is it a risk worth taking. I yeah. guess we'll see. I guess we will. All right. So <laughs> personal opinion, I would love for them to pick at nine overall. However, knowing the Seahawks, I personally believe that they could trade back trying to accumulate a later first round pick and a second rounder. Now, some draft analysts say that there aren't many blue chip players in the draft, which means that for blue chip players, it's clear that they're going to be great potential pro bowl oh, dominant sure, players sure. in the NFL. They're starting. There's no questions that they should be starting. Gotcha. Like they have they're the ready. The they're ready to go. Yep. to go. Got it. There are, however, a lot of decent players that could be selected well into the second round. And yeah. I could see the Seahawks wanting to accumulate young talent in the top end of this draft to develop over the next few years. Yeah. They're going to be a lot more cost affordable and then they can develop mm -hmm. them. And, you know, true two or three years. What does this team look like? I wonder if some of that, though, with the draft class had to do with COVID and all of that and the difficulty in getting to play the last couple of years, the, the way it had been in the past. And, yeah. and maybe that's really kind of limited. Uh, evaluation the evaluation and the potential and and how people are doing because they just didn't have that consistency and practice and play and all that so i would 100 percent think that that's the yeah. case and it's hard because you yeah. don't have four consistent years on some of these guys and some of these guys are still sophomores or juniors declaring for the draft yeah, right that's amazing so in terms of really seeing what they can do and are they nfl ready those are all the things that scouts have to take into account and you're looking at the pure raw talent you're mm -hmm. looking at their technique and their size and their ability and their speed. There's so many components that goes into analyzing or scouting a player yeah. and will it convert to the NFL, let alone also the level of competition based off of the level of play they're playing against yeah. where they're at. You know, you could have a dominant player, mm -hmm. but they're in a division in college that's not going up against yeah, it's an the best of the division. best, right? Yeah. So it's hard to know. It's interesting. Huh. However, that kind of wraps up my a couple players that I wanted us to all think about yeah, as potential suitors for the Seahawks. More than likely, none of those will be picked from the Seahawks. <laughs> so, well, I mean, you you know, hey, if we'll I hit on any happens. of these, I'm I'd be really excited I'll, and I'd probably brag I'll, about it a I'll little bit. I'll buy you a drink. How about that? Okay. All right. That sounds good to me. There you go. All right. Coming up next is the mailbag segment. You've, You've got, got mail. mail. And a dog jumping up next to you at the same time. But you know what? It's okay. Because that's the way things go around here. Anyway, thanks for joining <laughs> us for the mailbag segment. Promise we'll get these transitions better again. You know what, though? It's just real. It's what this it is. is. Us. This is how it goes. Yep. The dog jumps up while you're trying to do it. And you're trying not to mess it up. And then you're trying to have him not fall off the couch at the same time. Whatever. Welcome to our life. For real. For real. Anyway, let's get into the mailbag. Let me just dig around in here and pull out a letter. Hey, here's one. It's from <laughs> Decade. There's no letter. But if there was one, it would be from Ivor Sachs. And uh, and the question says, what draws people to the Kardashians? And uh, my initial response and thought was, I have no clue. Like, I don't know what draws them yeah. to them. I'm yeah. not saying that I've never watched an episode of the Keeping Up with the Kardashians because I have. Yeah. I've watched a few episodes in my, like, it's been a long time because their show has been on They've been for around a long for time. a long time. But I genuinely don't know yeah. what draws people to them. I mean, I think at this point it is sort of that longevity. It's kind of like what's going to happen? How much farther can this train wreck go? And it just... I don't know. I think the drama, I think a lot of people just kind of get into people love drama into all of that. And um, I don't know, for me, I used to watch like all of the Real Housewives, like the, all the different franchises of that. I used to watch them like all the time. And but life kind of changed and it got to be just too much. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't need all of this like drama and and, you know, craziness with all the yelling and the fighting and like, whatever. I don't need all that in my life, you know, so yeah. I sort of just cut all that stuff I out. I think as you get, maybe I'm wrong because I kind of feel the same way. Like as I've gotten older, there's things that I'm just like, yeah, that's just like, it feels kind of immature or yeah. just like unnecessary. Well, in the Kardashians now too, it's almost like generational because 
100%. Because the the two younger kids who are like, you know, in their like, I don't know, early 20s or something now. I'm not sure. Kendall. Was it Kendall and Kylie? Kylie? They're all with K's. So I think that's right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So. Except for Rob. Well, I mean. (laughs) That's a good point. I didn't. I forget that there's now. I sound of, like I know too much. I forget oh, about God. that. Anyway, uh, it's kind of like it's you've watched. It's like you've watched all. You've watched the kids grow up, and now it's like a whole different. And so you're like, now it's gonna. I don't know. Yep. I don't know. So they that's, have, that's they have a new show on Hulu. I think I saw a thing for. I'm oh, like, God. I don't. I thought it was over, but it just keeps going. So <laughs> that's your answer. There you go. We don't know, and it's probably the drama. It's probably the drama. So. Uh, and thank you for your question, by the way. So Rick Judd reached out um, and said, as a ghost, who is the ultimate target to hunt as a poltergeist? So You know what? I actually just thought of my answer oh, for geez. fun. Okay. Go okay. For it. This is for fun because I'm not trying to actually be mean and haunt somebody. Yeah, because to me, this is where I got stuck when I was thinking about it, is that to me, a poltergeist is a scary ghost yeah. who does scary things. Sure. So I was like, I don't know who I want to be scary to. Yeah. Um, for some reason, the first thing that came to mind was being slightly scary to Tim from Puyallup for no good reason. <laughs> for no good reason. For no good reason. But I wouldn't, like, scare his wife or his kids or anything like that. Just, just him. Tim. It would just be, you Tim would just be haunting Puyallup. Tim from Puyallup. Yeah. <laughs> but we've started watching the show Ghosts. We have. Which is really, it's a great show. It's funny. Not sponsored. And if, if ghosts were, like... <laughs> those ghosts yeah i would just haunt michaela at that mm. point mm-hmm. if it was just like a friendly ghost where you just could like hang out like and Casper. just like yeah i mean if you just could like hang out and like watch what goes on and just you know whatever like i would just hang out with you you know honestly it'd be cool if you could travel though as a ghost to like go other places that would be cool the ghosts on that show are just stuck to the property so they that's are. a little different but do you have anybody that Oh, you guess you just for said like, me for yeah i mean if it was like a if it was a non-scary ghost i would haunt you if i was a scary ghost I don't know where I would want to go and haunt. Like, I just don't know who I'd want to be scary to. I mean, mm-hmm. I, there's some people, but I'm also like, I don't want to waste my ghost time on that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want to, I didn't want to waste part of my life with them. I don't want to waste like my whole oh, afterlife with them too. We won't dive into all that mess. No, we don't need to do that. But otherwise we'll be like keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah. Get back to that drama. Yeah. No, I don't know. Um, I'm going to go with, I don't want to be a scary ghost <laughs> <laughs> as my final answer. Um, and now Steve Olson came at us this this week with two questions. Now, question number one was, who is your favorite boy band? And I'm guessing we're probably going to have the same answer for this one. Okay, ready? One, one two, two, three. three. In, in sync. sync. Ooh, and, and we're in, in sync. sync oh, this the is cute. Of in sync. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yes, in sync is our favorite boy band. It was just the era that I grew up in, in the 90s. Yeah, it's true. Early two thousands. Yeah, my freshman year roommate, um, she and I bonded over the fact that we both really liked NSYNC. Yeah, it was like the question that we, like, one of the first questions we asked each other in our like getting to it know was you, kind of like getting a... to know you emails before we moved in. It was like, yeah. are you NSYNC or are you Backstreet Boys? It was a thing. It was like a thing, and we were both like, oh my gosh, thank goodness we're both now, NSYNC. I'll tell you, I do enjoy some great Backstreet Boys. No, songs. there's some great. There's songs. some. There are actually a lot of great ones, but I think I was just NSYNC was the thing. I mean, honestly, like. New Kids on the Block is pretty high up there for me as well, but I think um, I think that overall, Instinct just uh, had a lot more of those pivotal like late teenage years for me. So I'm sticking with it. Now, Steve's second question said, "Which actress would you want to play you in a movie?" So I'm gonna go because I feel like. I'm like a great mixture, and this is maybe me tooting my own horn about what toot, I think toot. about myself, but I feel like I'm a kind, compassionate person that cares a lot yeah, about people. True. Yeah. Also slightly a badass. And I think about oh, hey. Mandy Moore. Oh, okay. And I saw so Mandy Moore vibes. I feel like she'd do an excellent job at characterizing who I am as a person. Yeah. And I would 100% support that. She has a wide range of characters that she she's does. played also. She's great. Yeah. She was Rapunzel and Tangled, which is great. She's, I mean, that was just her voice. A walk to remember. She, she's on this to is us. She was on that. Was that the president? Called, wait, was that movie called Saved? Where it was like some high school kind of like religious thing or whatever. And she was like kind of mean. I don't know. Oh, I'll have to IMDb she's this later. also in um, Princess Diaries as the mean girl. Yeah. Yeah. So she has a range. She has a range. Um, 
for me, I would go with Natalie Portman because I think she also has kind of a, a good range of characters that she can play. And um, she also has, um, she has some good there facial expressions. There are people expressions. that say that Kate and Natalie Portman kind of look alike. When my hair was brown more, I got that more often. Yeah. Yeah. I get it a little less now that it's so it's also the physical appearance that would also come to play in that one that she would fit that well. That could be a thing. Yeah. Thank you, Steve, for both your questions. That's exciting stuff. Um, We're going to move over to Erica B and Erica B asks, what are your thoughts on the new 2022 version of the USFL? Do you see us getting a team of our own? It's interesting. Oh, sorry. It's interesting to find out actually is what it is. It is interesting to know. It's interesting to learn about. I don't know. It's just weird. But why don't you talk about it? Because I obviously have no idea what I'm saying. <laughs> what do you think is interesting about it, Michaela? Okay. I love you so much. You're wonderful. <laughs> I was trying. I was like, I'll just start trying to answer. I don't know. Kate sometimes wants to dive in and she knows so much more about sports. But she's like, you know what? I'm going to pass the mic to Michaela. <laughs> just going to okay. say you take it. So here's the interesting thing about the USFL for me is that realizing how different some of the rules are okay is it's not that it's completely different some people might think oh it's just another version of the nfl however i mean it is but specifically in in regards to the rules the opportunity to throw two passes forward on one play oh weird okay so you could have the quarterback throw it to your wide receiver the quarterback could run past him and the, the wide receiver could throw it to him. Yeah. Now, if you're playing football, the quarterback is the only person that can throw it forward. You also can't for- throw it forward uh, past the line of scrimmage. This would take away that fact. Yeah. And once it's passed once, you can only pass it backwards in yeah. the NFL. So this is a completely different rule. Sure. Getting to throw it forward twice. Yeah. They also have a different rule in the fact that there are three different ways to convert after a touchdown. So they have a one-point conversion, a two-point, and a three-point conversion. Okay. So the first two are very similar to what the NFL rules are. You can either kick for an extra point. Or run it in for two. Or off the two-yard line, you have a two-point conversion. Okay. Now the third rule here for the three-pointer is that 10 yards out, you could play uh, do a play from scrimmage. Mm. And if you get it you know, in the end zone... Oh, from 10 yards out, then you get three points. You get three points because it's extra hard. So you get an extra point. Exactly. Okay. So the other rule that is different yeah. is that instead of attempting an onside kick on a kickoff, sure, you could opt to try and do a play having it be like a fourth and 12 what? situation. Like it's fourth down and 12 yards, basically. Oh, okay. So you get one chance to get 12 yards to reset your downs. And oh, weird. Okay. It would start on one's own 33 yard line. Now, that's the risk with that is that if you don't get that, then the other team gets the ball where it's at. Yeah. Just like it's a turnover on downs, the other yeah. team gets the ball where it's at. Yeah. Which is pretty. So close there's risk for them. there. However, yeah. I mean, if you're down, there, the reason you do an onside kick is because you're going to lose the game basically. If you don't, you need the ball back and you're short on time. Sure. The same case here, but this, the likelihood of converting on a fourth and 12, in my opinion, yeah, is probably a lot higher than receiving your own onside kick. Probably so. It's not very often that that happens. I think that those, those rule changes are, or the the differences in the rules, that is pretty interesting. I mean, the only interesting thing I could think of while you're talking was just like that the team mascots and stuff are, are different. Yeah. (laughs) You're funny. So it does. I mean, the cool thing about this is that the USFL does open up more opportunities for skill players to play at a professional level. Sure. So more opportunities for players to play. And, you know, in regards to your other question about could we see them bring it here? Yeah. I think Kate does know the answer to this. I think she knows that. I mean, yeah, just depending on how Seattle's a great place. Right. Yeah. I mean, if the fans are into it, I feel like there's there's space for it where they play that specifically that's the is question. the question because yeah. i think the where is the thing that's a little more tight than the because potential Lumen for field it. is now housing it's sounders the rain, rain and, and seahawks. seahawks so scheduling that in it's not impossible right no because i had assumed that if you're having 
a football game that that's the best place for it in Seattle. Sure. In terms of a venue. Sure. But then again, you have to bring in the revenue. Is it, well, is it cost can you, effective? Can you afford for... to be at Lumen? Because it's pretty expensive to be there versus, yes. you know, some other places. So, um, so yeah. So, we'll, I guess time will tell on that one. Um, Mike McCarty sent in a question and said, Michaela, in the spirit of your recent trip, where would you and Kate, where, where would you and Kate have a uh, dream vacation locale be if money was no issue? All right. I think. Where would you choose to Where go would if I money choose? was no issue? Good question. Um, probably, you know, I really do want to go to Greece. Yeah. I think that would be amazing to go to Greece. Sure. But I think Kate's gotten me to the point where I'm like, I also want to go to every Disneyland park Ooh. in the world. And if money wasn't an issue, we would cruise our way around to Ooh, all of these different Disney parks. And, you know, maybe upon retirement, that's what we start saving up for now. And then in 30 years, we can go do that if life wow. still grants us that opportunity. Hey, that's a that's an idea. You know, weirdly enough, I didn't think about Disney this time. I don't know what's wrong with me. What? I was just thinking, like, money being no object. Let me do some really crazy expensive vacation thing that I'll probably never, ever get to do. And I feel like I could pull off the Disney stuff. So I think I just kind of went like the, the route I don't think I'll ever get to do, which is, which is to go to like Bora Bora and be in like one of those, it's like those kind of hut things that are like over the water. On the water. Yeah. You see like, it on like Pinterest. Yeah. And you're like, that or, looks like you know, the life. Yeah. Or they've got the ones there too, where it's like, you can have All a room like, drinks. that's like in the water. Like you're, it's like a bubble kind of thing. Which see, I don't know if I could actually like, I sleep like, in that, but I feel like it'd be cool to like walk in and see it and be like, this is dope. And then like leave. But I, but that's, I think what I was thinking of, because like I said, it's like if money was no object, because that kind of trip would be like expensive and not that Disney couldn't be because the way I would want to do would Disney, I would definitely very make it expensive. I would make it happen, but I'd be like adventures by Disney all the way to yeah. like all, like I would, you know, I'd go, That'd be epic. If we had all the money to do all that stuff, like, heck, yeah. Experiences are the thing. They are the thing. So, that, yeah. I like though that I'm, I'm swaying you over to the Disney side. That's kind of I mean, fun on that. I mean, it's not like it was hard to do, but now I'm sitting here thinking about all the things in our future and where we travel to, and I'm like, Disney, Disney, Disney. See, I do sports now, and you do Disney now. There we go. There we go. It's an even-ish trade. All right. Thanks, Mike, for your question. Thanks very much. Now you have us dreaming, and we don't have enough money to do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Not right now. Now this leads us over to the end of this week's podcast yeah. and our closing yeah. remarks. We do want to thank you all for tuning in and listening. We appreciate you all who have been sharing that our podcast is something you've enjoyed listening to. It's really sweet. Encouraging other people to yeah, tune in. It's really nice. So thank you so much thank for you your indeed. support. Mm -hmm. um, you can follow us on. Yeah, we are at PNW Showdown on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Happy to have you in any or all of those social media platforms. And you might get some more like cat and dog random <laughs> content on the TikTok. Oh my gosh, the that sometimes I can't help but post videos that might involve like our personal life in some way. So That's if you want to see those things. You definitely got to follow us on TikTok. Absolutely. You definitely should. All right. So remember to always take care of your heart and mind above all else. Until next time.
Marvel Mall. Oh, we're not doing that this time. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> okay, let's do it. We've messed up all the transitions in this episode. Oh my gosh, people are going to think we're so unprofessional. Okay, here we go. Marvel moment. Marvel moment. Marvel moment. Marvel, <laughs> tempo. Marvel moment. Marvel moment. Oh my gosh, what a mess. <laughs> I know. Apologies for the mess. Anyway, um, a couple people actually had mentioned that after our mini episode, they were a little bit disappointed that there was no Marvel moment afterwards. So I'm glad you're all listening. No, to this far. No, no worries, everybody. We're not not doing them. We just didn't do it for that tiny one. So um, apologies if you were sad. But we're talking today and saying, Michaela, mm-hmm. what has been your favorite part of doing the podcast? Just connecting with the people, you know, connecting yeah. with the CFAM and C-fam? The people on social media that we've gotten to know. Yeah. Um, it's just a really cool connection. Seattle sports mm-hmm. has really offered that opportunity to build friendships. It's really hard to do when mm-hmm. you get older and it's not people that you work with, you know. It is. It's kind of a weird thing like that, isn't it? You're not all in the same class anymore. You're not trying to right. do Right. Like, You're not like forced stuff. to kind of be friends. Yeah, exactly. You have to like find your own friends. <laughs> and you have to, you know... You find your world and your realm of like what you connect on. It's like, cool. We all love Seattle sports. It's awesome. It's like, I have a winning personality. That's what I can offer. Like, I can, right. like, hopefully it's good enough. Yeah. I, I hear that for sure. I think for me, my favorite part about doing this podcast is getting to spend that time with you and getting to learn more about sports and the things that people say now when I tell them, oh yeah, my wife and I <laughs> do a sports podcast. They're like, wait, you in sports? And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I know sports stuff now. And it's, it's really, you do. It's really funny though, to see people's reactions and all that kind of stuff. So, and honestly, like the people that we've gotten to know doing all this has been pretty cool too. So I'm enjoying it. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for letting it be something that we can Happy do. Friday. Happy Friday. 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 Am I too old to do that? I don't know. No. All right. Maybe when you're 41.